God is recording again. Okay, we're back with Chris Fowler. And Chris, you were just about to explain why looking at the logo um, for Morris, I, I felt immediately familiar with it. Tell us about the hand. Yes, the hand that protects the eye is a universal symbol of protection. People um, have tattoos of it. They wear it in jewelry. They have it displayed in their home. And so we talk about how Moorish um, protects the body and the soul um, with the high polyphenols in, in the olive oil. And so we felt that that logo was a great representation. And we do have customers that are leaving the bottle on their counter because it's just another way for them to have um, the protection in their home. Wow. <laughs> it's a very striking um, logo and symbol. Um, I, I'm not sure I understand how this, the polyphenols actually protect. Do you know anything about that? Yes, the polyphenols are antioxidants um, that really have a lot of health benefits. So they um, are anti-inflammatory. They um, help heart disease. They um, give you mental health. Uh, just a lot of great things. Uh, pretty much everything that you read about olive oil and its health benefits, the the polyphenols in, in brands like Moorish just have a lot more of that in it. Now, did you coin the term Moorish, or is it word in general usage? It is a um, created word the way it is. Okay. So, right. you know, we were inspired by the Moors um, we, from Morocco. We like the term more. Uh, more, more yeah. wanting more. So yes, we we kind of did a play on words. Well, are you committed to uh, this single product of olive oil plus the olives, or are you going to expand this line? Well, we um, do have the. Um, we started with the olive oil, and we have expanded into the olives and the other Moroccan condiments. And then we're looking to continue to grow the brand. Our, our product development team is looking at some, some other um, items. Nothing that I'm ready to announce yet, but oh, I'll keep see. an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd sneak that in there. <laughs> you I got it. That's what happened to my phone line. <laughs> <laughs> So, There's other things um, that you can do in olive oil, um, you know, with an unfiltered, um, organic, you know, different variations of extra virgin olive oil that, that we could bring to market in, in, and we will in, in the near future. Well, you, you get some um, pretty good reactions to people tasting this uh, for the first time. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean... It, it, I think it's a market opening because um, there have been so many things done with with the other countries' olive oils that a lot of people are moving away from them. I mean, it was you would go, you would do Spanish olive oil or you do Italian olive oil, but I've noticed olive oil coming out of Israel now. Um, but there've been there's a lot of scandal wrapped up in this. Um, the, the the production and adding additional uh, unnamed products into the supposed um, uh, pure extra virgin olive oil. Right. Do you we, think that that's... I, yeah. I, I, I think that that is not something that the um, average consumer experiences um, with the olive oil that she buys in grocery stores. Um, we are a member of the North American Olive Oil Association. They have a quality seal, and so um, you'll see that quality seal on Moorish. Um, and, and they are really, as, a, as an industry association, really fighting any of that um, um, non-factual um, information, the adultery um, that's in um, that's reported to have. Um, and that's one of the things why you would want to go with a producer of olive oil because 
you know, we are the only ones that that handle the process of it, you know, from all the way from the tree to the bottling, um, all the way to it arrives into the United States. Um, so th there's not other hands touching it. There's something, oh my, critical, there's something very critical about how quickly you can get the olive once it's picked off the tree into a mill producing, yielding its oil. Yes, how, we do how, it within four hours. Four hours. For us, it's four hours, yes. Okay. Is that typical of, or don't you know? I do not know exactly how others do. Um, okay. I know that what we interviewed the Spanish producers that just um, it falls off the tree and they just let it lie there. I don't know what I never did understand that one. Oh, that was, <laughs> was, was, was they call it lacrima, and they, yeah, they used probably. to basically they, they they used to they let the weight of the olives force yeah. the oil out of the olives. Uh, we pick when it's the optimal ripeness and, and get it pressed, first cold pressed quickly, so that we just preserve all that um, freshness. Well, I, I mean, I think that you have a great product and a great product line, and uh, I look you. forward to what else comes out of, of the, your company. Um, well, thank and, you. Uh, yeah, and it's I brand new, you. so we're we're thankful for your time today for us to be able to tell our story. Well, I mean, it, it's I thought it was a very clever story because um, you you just sort of it was almost accidental that you got involved in this business, right? Yes, yes. Interesting. So, um, well, keep us posted, and I'll follow your your marketing campaign. And uh, and we we as I say we we really wholeheartedly endorse this product, and um, I, I wish I could also check your preserved lemons. <laughs> it's just, it's such a hassle making those things. <laughs> yes. Well, your listeners, I know you have listeners all over the country and all over the world. So, like I said, it's available at, at retailers. Um, throughout the U.S. and Canada, and, and in your area, it's available in Stop and Shop. So um, we have oh, okay. a lot of, and on our website, so um, and Amazon. So there's lots of opportunities for your listeners um, to be yeah. able to find it and try it, and, and we would be very grateful for their business. Well, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine ignoring the opportunity to discover a new olive oil source. I mean, it's such an important yeah. product. And... Um, yeah. And the differences in flavor, I mean, you can tell the difference in, in olive oil from um, the difference in parts of a country, uh, not just even different countries, but even parts of a country like north to south. And, yeah. and you know, so, and, and the market seems to be expanding. Well, I thank you um, very much for the opportunity to talk to you about it and I, I hope you have a lot of continuing success and enjoy the uh, your the food shows we have no, me, thank let you me, let, me, let me put a word in a, a word in a, of apology for the, for the difficulty with the sound during the interview we, we still don't know what happened all we could do is rebuild and we hope you'll find the conversation very interesting as we did and yes, we'll thank you, you. It's been our pleasure. We'll see, listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Chris. Okay, we started recording again. Okay, we're back with Chris Fowler. And Chris, you were just about to explain why looking at the logo um, for Marsh, I, I felt immediately familiar with it. Tell us about the hand. Yes, the hand that protects the eye is a universal symbol of protection. People um, have tattoos of it. They wear it in jewelry. They have it displayed in their home. And so we talk about how Moorish um, protects the body and the soul um, with the high polyphenols in, in the olive oil. 
And so we felt that that logo was a great representation. And we do have customers that are leaving the bottle on their counter because it's just another way for them to have um, the protection in their home. Wow. <laughs> it's a very striking um, logo and symbol. Um, I, I'm not sure I understand how this, the polyphenols actually protect. Do you know anything about that? Yes, the polyphenols are antioxidants um, that really have a lot of health benefits. So they um, are anti-inflammatory, they um, help heart disease, they um, give you mental health, uh, just a lot of great things. Uh, pretty much everything that you read about olive oil and its health benefits, the the polyphenols in, in brands like Moorish just have a lot more of that in it. Now, did you coin the term Moorish, or is it word in general usage? It is a um, created word the way it is. Okay. So, right. you know, we were inspired by the Moors um, we, from Morocco. We like the term more. Uh, more, more yeah. wanting more. So yes, we we kind of did a play on words. Well, are you committed to uh, this single product of olive oil plus the olives, or are you going to expand this line? Well, we um, do have the. Um, we started with the olive oil, and we have expanded into the olives and the other Moroccan condiments. And then we're looking to continue to grow the brand. Our, our product development team is looking at some, some other um, items. Nothing that I'm ready to announce yet, but oh, I'll keep see. It <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd sneak that in there. <laughs> you I got it. That's what happened to my phone line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, There's other things um, that you can do in olive oil, um, you know, with an unfiltered, um, organic, you know, different variations of extra virgin olive oil that, that we could bring to market in, in, and we will in, in the near future. Well, you, you get some um, pretty good reactions to people tasting this uh, for the first time. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean... It, it, I think it's a market opening because um, there have been so many things done with with the other countries' olive oils that a lot of people are moving away from them. I mean, it was you would go, you would do Spanish olive oil or you do Italian olive oil, but I've noticed olive oil coming out of Israel now. Um, but there've been there's a lot of scandal wrapped up in this. Um, the, the the production and adding additional uh, unnamed products into the supposed um, uh, pure extra virgin olive oil. Right. Do you we, think that that's uh, yeah? I, I, I think that that is not something that the um, average consumer experiences. Um, with the olive oil that she buys in grocery stores. Um, we are a member of the North American Olive Oil Association. They have a quality seal, and so um, you'll see that quality seal on Moorish. Um, and, and they are really, as, a, as an industry association, really fighting any of that um, um, non-factual um, information, the adultery um, that's in um, that's reported to have. Um, and that's one of the things why you would want to go with a producer of olive oil because, you know, we are the only ones that, that handle the process of it, you know, from all the way from the tree to the bottling, um, all the way to it arrives into the United States. Um, so th there's not other hands touching it. There's something, oh my, critical, there's something very critical about how quickly you can get the olive once it's picked off the tree into a mill producing, yielding its oil. Yes, how, we do how, it within four hours. Four hours. For us, it's four hours, yes. Okay. Is that typical of 
Or don't you know? I do not know exactly how others do. Um, okay. I know that the, what, what we interviewed the Spanish producers that just um, it falls off the tree and they just let it lie there. I don't know what. I never did understand that one. We call it lacrima. And they, yeah, they probably. They, 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 they let the weight of the olives force yeah. the oil out of the we, olives. Uh, we pick when it's the optimal ripeness and, and get it pressed, first cold pressed quickly, so that we just preserve all that um, freshness. Well, I, I mean, I think that you have a great product and a great product line, and uh, I look you. forward to what else comes out of, of your, your company. Um, well, thank and, you. Uh, yeah, and it's I brand new, you. so we're we're thankful for your time today for us to be able to tell our story. Well, I mean, it, it's I thought it was a very clever story because um, you you just sort of it was almost accidental that you got involved in this business, right? Yes, yes. Interesting. So, um, well, keep us posted, and I'll follow your your marketing campaign. And uh, and we we as I say we we really wholeheartedly endorse this product, and um, I, I wish I could also check your preserved lemons. <laughs> it's such a hassle making those things. <laughs> yes, well, your listeners, I know you have listeners all over the country and all over the world. So, like I said, it's available at, at retailers. Um, throughout the U.S. and Canada, and, and in your area, it's available in Stop and Shop. So um, we have oh, okay. a lot of, and on our website, so um, and Amazon. So there's lots of opportunities for your listeners um, to be yeah. able to find it and try it, and, and we would be very grateful for their business. Well, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine ignoring the opportunity to discover a new olive oil source. I mean, it's such an important yeah. product. And... Um, yeah. And the differences in flavor, I mean, you can tell the difference in, in olive oil from um, the difference in parts of a country, uh, not just even different countries, but even parts of a country like north to south. And, yeah. and you know, so, and, and the market seems to be expanding. Well, I thank you um, very much for the opportunity to talk to you about it and I, I hope you have a lot of continuing success and enjoy the uh, your the food shows we have no, me, thank let you me, let, me, let me put a word in a, a word in a, of apology for the, for the difficulty with the sound during the interview we, we still don't know what happened all we could do is rebuild and we hope you'll find the conversation very interesting as we did and yes, we'll thank you, you. It's been our pleasure. We'll see, listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Chris, I have so many questions uh, for, to ask you, Joan Smith of Rancho. Is it Meladuco? Meladuco, that's correct. That's right. Um, uh, y your product is dates. And, um, I mean, they're, they're a miraculous food of some sort. I don't quite know how to categorize it. And very ancient. Do you know anything about the history of dates? I, I do. I know a little. Um, and you're right. They are a really, they're just such an interesting fruit. Um, you know, it's one of the oldest cultivated crops um, worldwide, and it's considered a sustenance crop. Um, it's they are such an important um, food source, particularly in those in the Middle Eastern region where you know the climate is, you know, historically has been very hot and arid, and you know water and other um, resources are not as plentiful. But dates are you know one of the most drought tolerant crops available, and they're also one of the most salt tolerant. So you have something that has the ability to successfully produce food with not as much water as, you know, many other crops would normally require and also will tolerate a certain amount of salinity. Um, and because they are 
a dry fruit, not a dried fruit. Their natural state is to dehydrate um, on oh, the tree. That in those, isn't that That's interesting? In those hot, arid, yes, in those hot, arid conditions. And so an unripened date has a lot of sugar, but it also has a lot of tannins. And it's actually firm like an olive when it's in its unripe state. But as, as it's cooking in that, that hot, 120-degree dry, arid, uh, those dry, arid temperatures, it breaks down those tannins, the fruit softens, and it just gradually dehydrates into this concentrated yet still chewy flesh that becomes self-preserving, which is why, you know, it wasn't a crop that would spoil, it wouldn't ferment, it would just dehydrate, and at that point, you literally can eat them for years. And, you know, this is why it was so important to the Bedouins, you know, as they were traveling in these, in these climates where, you know, they didn't have refrigeration, um, and the dates would never spoil. They just, they were edible forever. Yeah, but I, I, when I got your samples, it said they do best in the refrigerator. This is true. And we, we, we recommend that because dates being a dry fruit, not a dried fruit, they will continue to lose hydration over time. Oh. So we, if you have dates that are nice and soft and succulent because they were you know, harvested and packed at a certain stage of their maturity, if you want to continue to enjoy them that way, put them in your freezer. That way they stay in a suspended state. They do not continue to lose, about, you know, lose moisture naturally. But dates are like sponges. They can be hydrated. You can introduce you know, um, uh, vapor or, or steam to kind of rehydrate them, but then they will also continue to expire. Um, moisture and perspiration, I guess, and dehydrate, which is, um, you know, just as part of their natural process. So if you want to prevent them from getting really dry, um, you know, at some point you can, it's better just to keep them cold. Now, what's, what, the, ge- what's the geographical span where, where dates grow? Dates are grown and thrive. Start in yes. Lebanon and go all the way to Afghanistan? I mean, do, just to give out you know, an idea. Yes, yes. I mean, they are they require for date fruit to properly mature and ripen for most varieties. Dates require about 100 days over 100 degrees. Um, so there Holy aren't very Moses. many climates. <laughs> yes, and there's Well, they must be really happy with climate change, right? <laughs> right? I mean, it's you know, it's 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 a pretty interesting consideration when you think about, you know, regions where um, you know, you, you either have uh, a buildup of salt in the soils because of, you know, other crops that have, have kind of, you know, created this buildup of salts. But in terms of where they grow, I digress. Um, yes, they are, you're going to find them in your hot, arid re- your hot, arid regions, which in our case, um, you know, it's going to be the desert southwest of the Coachella Valley area, Yuma, Arizona, um, through those regions. Um, I don't think they typically they, – they do okay with, with high humidity. I'm not an expert. You know, I know that when I traveled back to the Middle East, um, it's fairly humid um, in UAE, and yet uh, the dates are doing great. Um, you know, and our humidity in, in Southern California, close to the border, can, um, you know, approach the, the 30 40 50% in the monsoonal months. So, um, but they just – they really need that high heat for them to properly turn. Now, that's, that's, why, that's why you are – you're, cl- you're close to the border? Yes. So the, the Coachella Valley is maybe, gosh, I'm going to estimate, maybe 70 miles to the, the border of Mexico. So it's, it's okay. a very hot, arid um, desert region down there. Now, what, what you, you were an accountant, right? I, I am. I, when I went to school, it's funny, I was thinking about this the other day. When I, when I was in um, school and I decided I wanted to be a business major, um, I originally thought, funny, interestingly enough, that I wanted to be a marketing major. I was like, of course, we'll do marketing. Uh-huh. Um, why not? Uh, you know, it's kind of the creative side of business, and I figured that was where I was best suited, but then when I had to take my, my inter- you know, all your basic introduction to business classes, I, I was taking my accounting 101, and I just fell in love with it. Um, it just, I've never heard of anybody it, say they fell in love with accounting before. I, I do. I, I mean, I just love it. It's, it just it clicks for me. I have a, this intuitive... Uh, understanding and um, and I was actually in addition to being a certified public accountant I predominantly worked as an auditor of you know meaning that we would go in and, and kind of audit other people's financial statements and um, there's a I was had I had that sixth sense that intuition to to find anomalies it was it was just uncanny how things would just pop off 
um, the books, and I would this just is come across. My daughter-in-law and, and her whole family—they're all um, math and, and uh, accounting um, types. And, uh, yes. And, and just to let the cat entirely out of the barrel, Peter was one time a partner in a accounting firm called KPMG. Sure, I know KPMG absolutely. Yeah, had I had I stayed in in the in in my area, I, I met my husband. I was in, we were introduced, and we we kind of met on a blind date. And oh, I ended really? up relocating to Orange. Yeah, and I ended up relocating from Bakersfield, California, where I'm from, to Orange County. And he was, you know, encouraged me to consider, um, you know, being a stay-at-home um, mom and and a wife. And so I went ahead and, you know, surrendered, you know, kind of hung up my accountant's hat. But I had I stayed in Bakersfield, I probably would have gone on to, to be a partner in the in the regional firm that I was working for. I mean, it certainly was the direction it was going. Well, but, how did you, um, you know, I, get, I mean, what, how did you get connected with dates and date forms? So, right. Um, so we, um, we ended up, um, my, this is kind of funny. So my husband is, a, is an avid duck hunter. He, he loves to duck hunt. And down in, in the Coachella Valley, there's that Salton Sea, which is that large body of water. Right, right. right. Um, it's huge. And the Salton Sea is, is an important um, resting stop along the Pacific Flyway for migratory birds that are traveling from, you know, Canada and north on down to um, South America and, and Mexico to winter. And so there's a lot of water, ref, you know, waterfowl refugees along that way as well. There's also a lot of um, duck hunting um, properties that, you know, play an important role in supporting, you know, the health of those habitats. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of his favorite things to do. So we had an opportunity to um, kind of, acquire an interest in a um, a 200-acre duck hunting club. It's the oldest duck hunting club at the north end of the Salton Sea, and we ended up um, owning the property. And there were some date palms that had been planted by previous owners, and we had a freelance freelance palmero, which is the name of the, the skilled workers that, that work the trees and do the thinning and the pollination and all of the tree care throughout the season. And um, he, would he would box up our fruit and harvest it. We'd share it with friends and family, and people just went crazy when they – you know, I finally got organized and was like, what do I do with all these? I had like 200 boxes. Of <laughs> like, I've got to, what do I do with these things? And, and the funniest thing is, you know, I consider myself a foodie, quote unquote, but I'm also a, can be a very picky eater. And I had never tried a date until oh, no. maybe like eight, eight or nine years ago. I, we just, I wasn't introduced to them as a kid. And I was, you know, we didn't travel to the Palm Springs area when I was a kid. So I wasn't familiar with the date, the roadside date stands or the date shakes or any of those things. And my husband was like, oh, my God, dates are incredible. And I was like, I'm not eating those. Ew. You know, being brat, bratty and picky. And I finally tried one and was like, what? what? How, did I, like, how did I not know about this? And so that ignited my passion to, to share them. So I got organized and kept a list of people who wanted to receive dates from us every year. And, I mean, people were just like, these are the best dates I've ever eaten. Like, you need to sell these. Like, they really you, are you, good. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they were like, hey, yeah, they go just, ahead. Yeah, they yeah, they just they wanted to buy them anyway. So I got I, I I decided that we were spending so much time out there anyway. We were you know we would leave Orange County and drive out to the desert with our kids, and you know we had all this extra land. And I thought the land is free, you know it's owned outright. We don't have any debt. The water is plentiful. Um, you know let's start a date farm and see if we can't you know utilize some of this this extra land. And that's kind of where it started. It, it sounds like that's something most people would think of. Let's start a date farm. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and to be fair, I had, I, you know, I also have had an interest in plants and, and I worked in a nursery at one point. And when I was at Bakersfield as a single woman, you know, working as a manager in the CPA firm, I actually purchased an old farmer's estate south of town. It was an old pecan farm on two acres. And, um, and it was in complete in a complete state of neglect, and um, the owners had passed and everything was dying, and I moved in and, and revived, you know, got water going and got the lawns growing, and it was my hobby for years was just renovating this old ranchette. And so the opportunity to sort of, and, and I was always connected to our ag community and other growers. My dad was a, um, an attorney. He specialized in water rights and did a lot of work with oh, the really? ag community. Oh, really? Interesting. So it yeah. was, and we were, he was a gentleman's cattle rancher, so we had, we ran cattle as well. Um, although he was an attorney, we spent our weekends out on our cattle ranch. So all of it made a lot of sense for me to, to try to, yeah. to try to do that um, anyway. And, and I didn't know anything about it. I just started calling different date 
farmers that I found you know, on an internet search and introducing myself and explaining that I wanted to start a date farm and could I purchase some date shoots and kind of found whatever books I could find and asked questions and, and just kind of jumped in. I mean, really at that point it was just a matter of getting my hands on the trees and making sure I didn't kill them. And, you know, and <laughs> here's, 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 a, here's an offhand question for you. What, what does the Duke think of date farming? What does uh, what does who? The the Duke John Wayne. Oh, the Duke John Wayne. I don't know. I mean, John Wayne's no longer with him, us. Huh? I yeah right. no he's you know he's yeah he's he's not alive anymore. Um, there's a big there's but, a big uh, big uh, statue. It's Jeff's yes, in John Wayne Airport. That's right. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, dates. What I have learned is that residents of kind of Los Angeles and South, the southern part of Southern California. Um, we're kind of more central California. You know, the Southern California folk, they go to, they, they're frequent visitors of Palm Springs and that region. And so I feel like, you know, anyone who grew up in this area or, or is of, of the generation that, you know, traveled more across the state, they all knew what dates were. Um, and they're, you know, they're pretty, they're wildly popular. Um, which wow. Is kind I mean, of they're delicious. I mean, it's, uh, there are um, cultures where they break religious fast with a date. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Super and, important. Yeah. And now, now what's, 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 the, what's the situation with the water supply? Do, do, do you have good water supply? I mean, I, I understand that the water is the, it's about the most important thing happening in the southern half of California. Yeah. Yeah. Water is always a challenge. I mean, we're fortunate in that in the Coachella Valley, we, we do have a good support you know, good supply of water um, that's available. Um, we're, my particular property, um, you know, we, we have a private well, so we're, we're using well water. But um, when I, the way we structured the date farm, it's kind of interesting. So on, on my particular property, the area that I wanted to use um, was, you know, was just kind of, uh, you know, feral um, vegetation. It hadn't, it may have previously been, cultivated, but it had not been cultivated in a long time. And it was right up against a four acre reservoir, which is just this beautiful lake oh, we nice. have that, that's surrounded by trees. And, you know, it's really more of a, an aesthetic feature. But um, when we went to clear the desert, I kind of earmarked that area and said, okay, I'm going to figure out somehow how to, to kind of run the water from this lake into the dates and we'll feed it in somehow. There was, we have no power so we don't have any electricity at the, at the location where the dates are located. It's, you know, so that, and it would be really expensive. I mean, for what I was trying to do at the time, going back seven years ago, you know, telling my husband like, oh, I'm going to start a date farm. You know, I mean, he was like a straight <laughs> hobby. Like this, like, he's like, you do what you want, but it needs to be done as cheaply as possible. Like, so there was no spending $100,000 to, to pull power to plant an acre of dates. Like it was cost prohibitive. No. Um, so... We, you know, I was just, I don't even know how I thought I was going to get the water into it, but we just, we went ahead and graded the area. And as we were grading the area and kind of clearing the vegetation, we um, inadvertently smashed into a, um, a pipe that unbeknownst to us had been installed probably 100 years prior um, between this reservoir and the area I was planting. And so it was like, voila, there's a 12-inch pipe. So all we had to do was put a valve on it. And then what I ended up doing was I utilized basically gravity and the natural uh, elevation change in that area and I would just open a valve and the water would just trickle to down these rows and so we planted our dates in in sort of narrow basins um, most growers will water either with drip irrigation which requires pumping and filtration and, and power none of which that we have or they will flood irrigate which is they will just open a valve and just flood the entire acre um, where the dates are standing, well, that's a lot of water. And I really didn't want to use that much water, and it's not necessary. So we did something kind of unique, and I don't see it often used. We just created these kind of these narrow little basins. We put the trees in the basins, and then we only water that, that two to three foot wide area that the dates sit in. We open a valve. It's all gravity. The water trickles down. We can yeah. regulate how quick, you know, it's not, it's very unscientific. We have, you know, sometimes the water, we've watered too much and then the water catches up and it kind yeah. of floods at the end. Like we do have some issues, but it's, for the most part, it works really well and it allows us to monitor the water. We've, yeah. we've interviewed um, winemakers in, in Italy um, that uh, for climate 
change issues and so forth and sustainability have gone to a gravitational system for uh, wine production. So that's yes. kind of interesting too. Yeah. It is interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's really neat. I mean, I when I look at it, I you know, yes, we we use the well to fill the water reservoir, but everything I do, you know, in terms of the dates is is without power. Like I just hand turn a valve and then we turn the valves on each of the rows and we just kind of monitor it and shut it off and that's it. And I um, util, utilize technology. They have um, you can. There's different companies out there where that's it, common in in farming. Well, where they will have these remote kind of satellite. Um, uh, tensometers where they'll put moisture probes into the ground, and oh, really? because I'm in Orange, yeah, because I'm in Orange County, I thought, well, this is a great way to actually know if we're getting water where it needs to be. So I actually have two probes. I have one at one end of the field and one at another, right. and I have an app on my phone, and I can open it up and I can see exactly the moisture level at three different depths in my field at any given time. And if I feel like we need water, I just send a text and you know, to the, to the gentleman that works on the ranch, he opens the valve, we have water. So it's <laughs> really, pretty, for as low tick, we're, we're high well, tech. Well, you're, really, uh, you're really a precision farmer, uh, aren't you? We, 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 mm. we, we, kept, we kept the best till last. You, yeah. You've got to tell our listeners about grinders. And, and grinders, well, oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, first I want to point out that, that your gift, business um, is is amazing and the quality of the dates they're large and they're wonderful and they're just as they should be the date but tell us prepare us for this thing your award your sophie award was the best new product award yes and yes. yes and and you also tell us the concept that won you that yes okay well um let's see when we, so it's so funny just kind of looking back. I mean, this is what happens when you kind of take a housewife, you know, who's an accountant with no background in food or ag, but I'm a <laughs> shopper and I'm a consumer and I'm a foodie. And so it's sort of like I, you know, I created products that I wanted to, to purchase for myself or that I would want to gift. That's kind of where it started. But we, we kind of started our business with, you know, sort of the premium fruit. So the analogy I've always used is that we would buy the cow and sell the tenderloin. But what do I do with the rest of the cow? Like we have right. to eat the whole animal. And as a grower, you know, that, that premium fruit that we use for our gift business, it, you know, at best is maybe 20 to 30% of the crop. And then the rest of the fruit is going to be different sizes. It may have that skin separation. And, you know, as you stand back, it's like, okay, so we have these imperfect fruits. And one of the things that happens with, particularly in our region in Coachella, is we have this skin separation. And, you know, the, the aesthetic standards for medjool dates is, you know, large, tight skin. So you want the fruit to be as large as possible, which is why we thin the fruit very aggressively. But you also want the skin to be nice and tight like a raisin with, you know, nice grooves and you don't want any bubbling of the skin. Well, we end up very often with, you know, as growers with a lot of skin separation where the fruit just kind of, the skin just kind of bubbles off the flesh. We call them puffy dates. They call you know that's kind of what we call them in the industry, and they can be as much as in in, in a bad year for you know sixty percent of the crop. And yeah. under the kind of the typical buyer market conditions, no one wants that fruit, and it's Nobody it's tragic because the growers have done everything right. They've they've pro- applied the proper nutrition and inputs. They've they've done the thinning, and then something happens you know and it and the skin separates, and we don't even really understand why it happens or how to mitigate it. So. With that in mind, it's like, okay, we've got the ugly dates, and, and all the people that do the grading, they automatically just know to pull that out. So, you know, when I was way back when, I was like, well, let's put those, we'll call them the grinders. Like, originally, I was like, maybe I'll call them the uglies. And the person that was um, advising me on the marketing side at that time was like, oh, that's kind of condescending. Like, we shouldn't call them the uglies. And I thought it was really cute. And so I was like, well, let's call them we'll call them the grinders, meaning you grind them up, like whatever's kind of too dry, too small, too ugly, just use them for blending and baking. So that's kind of where the name came. But then fast forward, you know, I, I love the ice cream cup. I'm not a fan of plastic. I, I know that, you know, single-use plastic is just everywhere, and, and people like to, to be able to see their food. But, you know, for me, I'm like, no, like I'm not going to contribute to that. So I wanted to find something that was – you know, that had just a night, I I just love the, I love the ice cream cup. I just love the aesthetic. I love, for me, it's sort of like there's that, 
I don't like the word subliminal, but there's sort of an unconscious association with something yummy. And I thought, what a great and also yet inexpensive packaging that we can use and, you know, where we can provide, we can take this giant segment of our crop collectively that, that just no one ever wants and we can package it in a fun cup and we can make it available at a really affordable price. And it's, it's something that's, you know, a way to utilize a portion of the crop that typically very often has no buyers. And that really can be tough on the smaller growers that don't. Yeah, and I was going to say it helped you with your crop, but you also have yes. partner farmers, and, and this yes. is a market you created for them because where there yes. was no market. There it's was. genius, and, absolutely genius. And, the, and the, the really cool thing, too, is that you know, most Americans, like maybe 5% of Americans even are regular consumers of dates, which means the other 95% don't even know what they are. Well, that aesthetic standard doesn't mean anything to them. Like that, that preconception or that bias that we have within our industry based on traditional buyers, we can just kind of tear that playbook up and say, it doesn't really matter. Like 95% of the people in, in the U.S. that I'm trying to reach don't even know that they're supposed to have tight skin. Like <laughs> why, per, why, why perpetuate the myth? Like let's just, you know, so it's sort of, it's, it's a way of letting those who are regular consumers know like, hey, we know these have skin separation, doesn't make them bad. And then for everyone else, they just think they're awesome because they don't know any different. <laughs> so. Well, it got you with Sophie and, a, spot and a, a partnership with Walmart. I mean, what else yes. would you want out of that? I know. I'm just thrilled <laughs> to death. And I, I think with the Sophie Award, too, I, I know that it's, it's not only the, the quality of the food inside, but I, I know that the packaging and the kind of the vision for the product is a, a part of that. And I, I'd like to believe, without knowing what the judges' impressions were, I'd like to believe that they recognize the value of this kind of a product um, in terms of taking that imperfect fruit and having it in a great, in great packaging. Oh, sure. Sure. So, yeah. It, so we're, we're and, on a mission and you're, to you're, make... You're, the stuff that comes, your um, collateral stuff that comes is, is wonderful. You've got recipe cards. Uh, you've yeah. got um, a, a little, your little dog has a card that says, don't forget the spit. spit. Rocky, <laughs> I, know. I need to bring back, there's a video of him that this is where it all came about, um, where he, I, there, we had a box of, uh, a tray of coals. So we were doing harvest and we had, they weren't even like the imperfects, they were like coals. And it was just sitting there, you know, where he was able to get to it because it was going to be trash. And I caught him. Well, what I originally caught was a pile of seeds on on the patio where he, I was like, like they spit the seeds out. There's like this pile of discarded seeds. And I happened to catch him like selecting one piece of fruit and he would chew it and he would spit the seed out. And so how did he know? It's insane. And, you know, and I thought you clever dog. So as I was thinking as, you know, the housewife creating a, a food brand for people that I wanted to receive as gifts, but who maybe had never received dates and didn't know what they were eating, wanted to let them know there's a seed, like be careful. So I said, I was like, Rocky says, don't forget to spit the fit. So that's where that all came from. Well, well that's a yeah. great story. Yeah. I mean, we actually, um, I, I, my job it was to make sure that Peter knew there were pits because I, I, the first one I had had no pit in it. So I said um, cavalierly to him, you'll really like these because there aren't any pits. Cause she, oh, I mean, no. Yeah. That's so when I got out of pit in it, and the second one had a pit in it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the seeds, so it's interesting because it's, you, this is so funny. I'm going to share a story. So someone wrote in to, my, to our website. They came to our website and they left feedback and they, were, they said, I wanted to let you know that I received, um, one of my dates didn't have a seed and, and, sh- and she was like upset about it, like that there wasn't a seed inside. What? Like, and I know it was a strange, it was like such a peculiar thing to write in and, and anyway, but the, and I was like, God, I suppose I need to try to understand where, you know, like to help them understand. But when, when the tree, when the fruit is on the tree, the dates are, you know, connected um, by, they have like a cap. You can, sometimes you'll see those brown caps on top of the fruit and that cap connects to the plant, which is what keeps the, you know, the the fruit growing connected to the tree, but the seed is actually also connected to that cap. And, and when we are harvesting and we're kind of using our hands to, to coax the fruit that's ripe because it doesn't ripen at the same rate. So as we're coaxing the fruit kind of oh, off wow. uh, the bunches, sometimes the seed will actually slide out. 
So the fruit will slide off, the seed will stay on the, the actual tree connected to the cap, connected to the strands. So that's why occasionally you'll get a date that doesn't have a seed. It's just that it actually came off in the process of being harvested. It's pretty common. Um, <laughs> I still find it weird. Somebody was complaining. That <laughs> I thought it was funny. I was like, we kind of, it was like, how about you're welcome? Because it's just one less step. You don't have to worry about taking the seed out. But it was funny. I mean, People I imagine seeding or pitting dates must be an expensive operation. It's very, it's very labor intensive, um, yes. particularly with medjools. Um, deglets are, you know, deglets are, are fairly uniform in size, and they're considered a dry date, whereas what are they? Are considered a, they're considered a dry date, which means which one? that they're not uh, the deglet nors which are okay, commonly used. Um, yeah, you see deglet nors sold as, as whole pitted fruit, but they're also commonly used in, as an ingredient in like Lara bars and different, you know, granola bars and things right, like yeah. that. And so those can be machine pitted really easily because they're, they're much, a much firmer date in their natural dry state. Mm-hmm. But because medjools are considered a semi-soft date, they, are, they have different sizes, they're a lot softer, and so you can't really run them through a machine and have them pit successfully like you would an all over a cherry, which means that right now for, you know, for the most part, it, you know, at least in our industry in the United States, we're doing all of our pitting by hand. Um, meaning oh, that wow. someone is opening every date with a knife and, and pulling no, the seed listen, out. I mean, I, mean I, I live with somebody who's very picky about pits. I mean, like his mother. I mean, I, I never served her grapes because she didn't want seeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if you don't want pips. to get your she hands, called them pips. Hmm? The pits, yeah. If you don't want pips. to get your hands dirty, oh, the tips. That's funny. They, they call the English call them the, the seeds, soft fruit pips. So, that's but anyhow, pips. but yeah, sure. no, but I, I well, faithfully, I faithfully pit all the dates that I give my husband because he's not used well, to those. If a quick hack, my favorite hack is take boning pliers. So just get a pair of your boning pliers. You know, you've got those, those food-grade boning pliers. You can buy them Williams-Sonoma. You'll just, you just go right in through the top, and you just kind of give it a, you just kind of open them up a little, and you'll find that pit. You grab it, and you pull it out, and it's a great way to pit them without having to cut them open and get that sticky stuff all well, over your fingers. That, so, uh, uh, where do I go to get this? I, I should do um, this. You can buy boning pliers um, on, at Williams-Sonoma, Sur La Tab, or Amazon. And okay. um, we actually, we were going to even try to get our own branded, you know, with our, with our logo, like boning pliers. You, you're capable of that. Just from talking to you, I know you're, you could do that. Well, it, it proved to be like they were really expensive because they were like stainless steel, like surgical grade, and it uh-huh. was going to be like $40. So I was like, no one's going to pay $40 to like – but I love the concept. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you can just get them at uh, Amazon. They're called boning pliers. They're basically just food grade um, needle nose well, pliers. Okay. So, uh, that I've never found a satisfactory uh, cherry pitter either, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. if you're doing volumes, uh, you know, it's it's – you, if you have a few cherries, just one thing. I mean, the OXO does fine. But if you have a yes. whole mess of them to do, it's very labor intensive, yeah. Yeah. So, but yes. anyhow, we've done everything except tell our listeners after um, we have them drooling of your med jewels. <laughs> you know, like that little sort of punny thing. Um, yeah. How do they get these? Tell our listeners. Wow. Tell, so, yes, I mean, our grinder cups are, are available in all Walmarts in America. We are so excited. So over 4,500 locations across the United States, wow. you can purchase our, our grinder cups. Um, they are available. They are um, affordably priced, and it's just we're just so, so excited. Um, do you want to let everybody know you're going to be looking for us on the, on the bottom shelf. We're kind of off on the corner of the dried fruit section. So wherever you would find your raisins, and your cranberries and all that good stuff, you'll find our dates. Um, we also have in cert, like about 350 Walmart stores. Um, the superstores have a larger dried fruit section. You can also find our California boxes, which is a one-pound box of kind of the medium to large size fruit. Um, those are available in select Walmarts. And then you can also shop us on Amazon, or you can shop directly with our website. Um, you will find the full catalog of, of items um, on our website, but we also have, you know, brand partners everywhere. Williams-Sonoma sells our premium fruit. Um, a lot of retailers in Southern California, um, select retailers, I should say. It's not everybody, but um, our locations list is on our website. You can always jump on our website, type in locations. It's a tab. It'll show you all the stores in your area that sell our fruit. 
Well, Jen Smith, I think you've created a very successful operation there. Uh, listeners, make a note. It's Rancho Meladuco. And, um, yes. the, and and they're wonderful dates. I mean, we're, talk, we're not talking that much about flavor, but the, the flavor is extraordinary. Just, Thank you. Just great I'm for sh- a snack. I mean, I, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. I'll share a fun little insider tip on on the name Meladuco. Everybody asks, you know, where does that name come from? It's actually a made-up word. Um, and it's made up because the, the duck hunting ranch, this original old duck hunting property where the date farm sits, is called the Mecca Lands Duck Club. So because it's in Mecca, so Mecca Lands Duck Club. So I was like, how do I create a name that isn't, isn't really associated with that, but that's similar? So I came up with Mecca Lands Duck Company. I took the first two letters of those four words, M-E-L-A-D-U-C-O, put them together. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a catchy name. Um, <laughs> since it sounded kind of like it you know, had some Spanish influence, like California, decided to use Rancho. So it helps people yeah. kind of remember the name a little easier. Well, you're wonderful to talk to, and your product is thank wonderful. You. And I thank you for thank taking you. time to, to thank tell you. us all about it. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, and, and continued success. Jen. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. It's it's been a joy, and and we're just thrilled. And and I just I look forward to all the fun that's yet to come. Oh, well, you're going to have a wonderful time. Thank okay, you for, thank, you. thank you for including us. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Take care.